Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Chief End. It is alive. Oh, YouTube ad hit me out of nowhere. It's alive. It's alive. You know, I've never seen that movie. Gene Wilder, Frankenstein, black and white. Oh, wait, no. That one was actually from 1931. Was the Gene Wilder one like a parody of the original? Hmm. I searched on YouTube. It's live Frankenstein Gene Wilder, and that clip came back. Oh, it was young Frankenstein. So, so I've never seen I've never seen either of them. Um, I haven't seen young Frankenstein, and I haven't seen Frankenstein. Maybe I should add those to my watch list. Might be kind of fun. How's everybody doing? It is uh, July 7th, 2020, and the Chief Podcast, Chief End Podcast does live in some form or another. Uh, what's been going on? I think the last time I podcasted, it was November of last year. Is that correct? Um, and I've had a couple texts from friends asking where the podcast has gone, um, and it's it's been on hold because there's been lots of life changes not to bore you with all the details but we basically relocated our entire family um from central florida up to north georgia um so now we are currently living in atlanta which has been quite the i mean mo- moving's hard enough as it is uh and then you throw on all of the geopolitical uh antifa covid hysteria apocalypse um and it makes it even more complicated so we're getting settled here we close on a house at the end of july we've been living month to month in temporary housing at the moment um so we're excited to get settled and uh get back to quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see them, I'm doing air quotes, of normal living. Um, that should be fun. But the, the benefit of being, uh, having church, having religion outlawed in America the last three months, <laughs> with all of the uh, social distancing orders, um, has been that we've been able to watch a variety of different church services on the good old-fashioned Roku device. Um, it's amazing how many apps are on Roku. Like, I, it's clearly not as much as the Apple App Store, or if you have an Android, probably the Samsung Android Store, Google Play Store. Uh, but the number of apps on Roku is pretty, pretty amazing to me. And when you search for a church name, it shows you how... Uh, how much, how, how little creativity there is in church names because you can search for, like, if you type in grace, if you start, if you go to Roku and start searching for grace, um, there's so many churches named grace, which I guess makes sense. Um, but trying to find the particular app for the particular location can be quite challenging. Um, but the reason for this here podcast, the reason I'm podcasting again on this particular morning 
is we watched a church on Sunday and they delved into the grand old topic of the fear of the Lord. And by the way, I've been um I've been pitching this ember mug on my Instagram TV episodes. Uh if you haven't heard of the ember mug, one it's super expensive, so be forewarned. Um but two, it's got to be one of the cooler inventions that I have had the privilege of uh using. It's 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 quite enjoyable. It has like a battery heater in the bottom of the mug so it keeps your tea or coffee blazing hot until the battery runs out and then it just dies a slow lukewarm death like every other cup of coffee um but it's pretty tight you can tie it in with there's an app on your phone that you can get and like you can control the temperature through your app it maxes out at 146 degrees which was a little disappointing because i wanted a, a, a tiny bit hotter um but at 146 degrees, the battery lasted about four seconds. So what I end up doing is I, is I keep the, it comes with a coaster that serves as the charger. Um, so what I end up doing is I keep the coaster nearby at all times plugged in. So, which is a whole nother topic of how we love the fact that we live in this wireless society yet everything we, <laughs> we're still connected with wires in order to charge. Um, so until someone can invent electricity flowing through the air and directing it into the charging ports, um, I say it's all smoke and mirrors. It'd actually be kind of cool. Like imagine like a, like laser chargers. And if you accidentally like put your finger through it, it like lops it off. High risk, high reward. That'd be kind of fun. All right, I'm going to set my phone down here and charge it. And it's got to line up perfectly with the metal laser receptors. And if it doesn't, not only does my phone melt, but I might lose a finger or two. Um, that would be some wild capitalism right there. Uh, so anyway, if you want an ember, be I, I went out to get one. I actually got them for, um, I was going to get one for my wife for Mother's Day. And... I went to Best Buy and ordered it, and it was $99 for a mug. And I was like, good Lord, who's going to spend $99 on a mug? Um, and then I saw the package deal that said, hey, you can get the couples set for $149. And I was like, heck yeah, I'll spend $75 on a mug. <laughs> the psychology of pricing, taking a $99 mug, um, bundling it, and selling them for $149 makes you feel like you're getting a deal. Um, anyway, I posted on Instagram. I've posted my Ember mug a couple times on Instagram, and the founder of Ember actually uh, came and liked one of my pictures. So I, that made me feel special. Um, probably it was just the algorithm searching for hashtag Ember, and he hired some unpaid intern or... Uh, social media marketing company to automatically like any photo that had hashtag ember so anyway it was kind of cool but it's 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 if you like your coffee if you like to sip on your coffee over a prolonged period of time um it's a good way to do it because it stays hot stays hot doesn't get doesn't get that lukewarm grossness where you just have to end up chugging like the last three inches of the cup because you're like ugh, it's too gross to sip on and if i let it sit for any longer, it's going to be even grosser 
So you just down the hatch, open it up, and just down the gullet. Um, so yeah, this episode uh, of Chief End is brought to you by uh, the Ember Mug. Pick one up in your local church coffee shop. Um, all right, so we, we watched this church, and he delved into the topic of, of fearing the Lord. And uh, as we were sitting there on the couch, laboring through this Facebook Live message, um, the next podcast of Chief End started to formulate in my mind uh, on the topic of the fear of the Lord. And we, we got mainly to the end, and I had to turn it off uh, because my, I, I found myself just being more discouraged by it than anything. Um, and you're going, all right, it's alive, but we're right back into the slipstream of critique and depression. <laughs> no, but hear me out. Hear me out. My problem with his message on the fear of the Lord, and I think it is not just his message you should expect at this point in time with this podcast that I'm going to take an anecdotal piece of evidence from a particular sermon or church, and I'm just going to hasty generalize, paint with a broom, commit 14 logical fallacies to insist that every church in America has the exact same thing going on with it. Um, and then it gives you a chance to play devil's advocate. So just roll with it. Just roll with it. It's all in good fun, and it's all in an attempt to try to find bigger, broader points that are in play. Uh, in the national conscience of American evangelicalism. So episode 23, I am calling Fearful Frippery. <laughs> um, fearful Frippery. And you go, what the heck does frippery mean? Well, I didn't even know it was a word until two days ago when I was knee-deep in a book called Human Action by the famed Austrian economist Ludwig von Mises. Um, and yes, I know the podcast bleed together, but hey, I can't help it. Uh, and he mentioned the word frippery, and I said, I've never heard of that word, but I have got to know what it means because it sounds amazing, and I think I can probably weave it into the next Chief End podcast title. So, frippery, a tawdry or frivolous thing frivolous thing. So, so fearful frippery. And as I was sitting there listening to the sermon, it was like those two words popped into my head. And I said, Hey, I have got the content for chief end episode 23, just a mere eight months after the previous episode. Um, so frippery is a tawdry or frivolous thing. And it would probably uh, be cool to look up. You notice I didn't say behoove. I wanted to say behoove, but I didn't. It would be a cool thing to look up tawdry because I think that's probably going to put us even uh, closer to the general point, the, the main overarching point of this podcast. Tawdry means showy, but cheap and of poor quality. Tawdry jewelry. So basically like the jewelry um, that you would find in like one of those, you know, you put a quarter in, you, you leave like a big lots or family dollar or back in the day, uh, thrifty. Do you guys remember thrifty? They used to sell like 29 cent ice cream cones um, and you'd walk out and they'd have those little like plastic egg dispensers and all the kids would be like, dad, mom, I want a quarter. Give me a quarter. And, and 
as I got older, sometimes they would like they required two quarters for like the big egg. I was like, man, who could afford two quarters? Those people must be gazillionaires. Um, so every now and then you'd get a quarter from your old man, or you'd find one. You'd go, you'd go manhandle the payphone booth and try to shake it down for a quarter or two, or you and your sister would go over and wrestle the newspaper dispensing machine, try to get a quarter out of that. You'd just sit there and jam the coin return button for five minutes straight until it finally waved the right white flag and was like, all right, poverty kid, take a quarter. Jeez, just stop abusing the, my coin return button. It's starting to chafe. <laughs> so every now and then, somehow you get a quarter. Um, and your grandpa would send it to you for your birthday, taped. Did you, ever, did you ever get that? I used to get that. I remember like being five, six years old, and I'd get a birthday card, and it would have a coin. I think it normally was a Susan B. Anthony coin. I mean, what kind of grandparent would tape a quarter? Even even pre-2020s inflation, I mean, 1980s, a quarter was still probably seen as being a little cheap if you gave your grandkid a quarter for birthday. But I, I remember I'd get a birthday card, and I'd open up the envelope, and there'd be a Susan B. Anthony uh, coin. Uh, like scotch taped into the card um, and then some, hey, put this in a savings account and you'll earn a half a penny a year. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, so you get a quarter and you go put it, you're leaving the grocery store, you're leaving thrifty with your dripping mint chocolate chip ice cream cone and you're like, oh dude, I got to see what's in that thing. I want, I want one of those egg things. So you put the quarter and you twist it, click, 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 click. And then it would like, finally, that last spring would, it would like pop. And then you'd hear the quarter slide down and you hear the thing rolling out because that's when egg sounds like when it's rolling out. And you'd flip up that little metal trap door and they never designed it where it would fall it into your hand because it had like that little lip that would keep it from falling on the floor, which is probably fine because the floor around those machines was just full of toddler spittle and half-eaten bubblegum pieces and jelly beans and sticky grossness. So you'd reach underneath there, you'd pull it out, and you'd pop open, you'd crack the egg open and crack it in half. And sometimes it would be like a slimy, a slimy hand. You remember those like, uh, there's like, they're kind of like gummy worms, but they had like sticky slime on them. And it had a little handle, like a tail, and then it would extend out, I don't know, six, eight inches. And then there was like a little uh, imprint, like a hand, like an alien hand, and it had slime all over it. And you could like throw it and hold onto the tail. And that hand would like stick to the car window or stick to your sister's cheek. Um, and then she'd start screaming at you and telling you to stop sliming her and you'd laugh. And then your parents would say, don't make me turn this car around. Um, so then you go back to sliming it on the back window. And then dad was like, dude, stop. I can't see out the window. You're turning it into. Anyway, you get the idea. So that would be a definition of tawdry because every now and then you'd put that quarter in and instead of a slime hand rolling out of there, you'd get some like, you know, half cent plastic ring that was made in China um, or Taiwan or someplace that, you know, probably had lead paint in it and who knows what else. That, that's the definition of chaudry, tadri, cheap and of poor quality. So why am I calling this podcast Fearful Frippery? Um, well, it's because in watching that sermon this Sunday, I concluded that 
by and large, again, just familiarize, get, just buckle yourself in for the fact that uh, we take, I take an anecdotal slice of evidence and I paint with a broom and apply it to every church in America. Um, just for argumentative sake. Um, the, the point is that we've taken this concept of fearing God and we've turned it into something that is cheap and of poor quality, to use the tawdry definition, um, to use the frippery definition, tawdry or frivolous. So we've taken this, this concept of fearing God and we've made it something frivolous. And you say, well, how so? How, sir? how so, kind sir? Um, well, to, to harken back to two days ago with the Facebook Live message, he took the concept and he, he gave three examples of, of trying to drive home this, this concept of fearing the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? And the first thing that he brought out, he, he, he said, okay, I want you guys to think of something that you're afraid of. And so the first thing that he brought out was well, maybe some of you are afraid of spiders. So he, he went, he went relevance fishing, um, you know, every, seems like that's a very common uh, tactic uh, in pulpits today. You kind of, you just, the pastors go, they go fishing for relevance. Hey, I'm going to throw something out and see if it sticks. I'm going to slowly start reeling that in, looking, searching in the eyeballs. And if nobody's afraid of spiders, then I'll throw another piece of bait out there and I'll slowly reel that one in and see. And then, and then I'll kind of, you know, on the fly, uh, massage my message until it finally sticks and I see somebody, oh yeah, 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 I can see in their eyes. They raise their hand. I can see in their eyes that they're afraid of spiders. Um, so anyway, he, he goes relevance fishing, um, feeling fishing. He's, he's throwing out a feeler to, to see if he's got, got any takers on, on the pitch that he's setting up. And so he throws out the fear of spiders and he, he says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can hear people, oh yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of spiders. And that's the first analogy he uses in trying to get us to understand this concept of fearing the Lord. So how many of you are afraid of spiders? Think about how you feel. It's, you know, you're terrified. Um, you're terrified. You don't want to get close. Uh, and then he throws out the next one. Well, maybe some of you are afraid of heights. And then he, you know, then, uh, then he goes into the, the, personal, the personal story trap. So he throws out the, throws out the bait, fear heights. And then he's got to drive it home by being relevant. So he says, oh, I'm afraid of heights. Oh, and then let me tell you a 12-minute story about my journey up an eight-foot ladder and how I cried for my mother and pleaded for my life when I reached the top rung and rude the day that I ever went to Home Depot to make such a dastardly wicked purchase. Why, why, why? Um, I mean, so, dude, it's an eight-foot ladder, like... I don't really get that you're afraid of heights because it's an eight-foot ladder, but all right, irrational fears exist, I guess. Um, so then he uses that one. And, you know, oh, I'm balancing on one leg and I'm afraid that I'm going to fall and break my neck. And, oh, it's the fear of the Lord because I'm afraid of heights. <sighs> and hopefully at this point you can see why I was going, oh, man, this is like, this is a, just just sit on the couch, don't click the close button. Smile and nod, boys. Smile and nod. <laughs> Don't get through the sermon so you can discuss it later with your children. Uh, 
So then, and then the third one he threw out was the fear of public speaking. Oh, maybe some of you are afraid to get up in front of people and, and talk and you're paralyzed and oh, it's the fear of the Lord. And I thought, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is fearful frippery. This is frivolous. And you go, well, why? I'm afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of heights. And I'm afraid of public speaking. He hit the trifecta out of the park. How dare you question his pastoral wisdom and spiritual insight? Um, because here's why. It's frivolous. A spider is frivolous. And you say, well, not the ones from arachnophobia. They stink in melted human bodies. Um, arachnophobia is a great movie. It's a great movie. I saw, I, I secretly watched it when I was like 12. We were at a tennis tournament and in El Paso, Texas. And we were staying at a Motel 6. And the, my, my dad went out, he was hanging out at the pool or whatever. And my sister and I were in the room and we had HBO and I was like, oh, arachnophobia, we should watch it. And I put it on and holy moly, scared my little 12-year-old bones to the core. Um, anyway, so reminiscing on that wonderful experience uh, over quarantine, I was like, hey, I should scare my own kids with arachnophobia. And they were like, dad, this looks so cheesy. This is from the night. Oh, no, I can't sleep. <laughs> it's great. It's a great movie. Um, they really take the... Uh, the campiness of deadly poisonous spiders and give it an icky factor. So um, I'm a fan of arachnophobia. So we're not talking about arachnophobia. He was talking about like some little house spider in the corner. Like you see some little spider the size of a birthday quarter. Tying in the podcast, baby. Cohesiveness is what Chief End is all about. Um, Tying up all of those loose ends so there are no loose ends. Take a birthday size quarter spider in the corner and you're terrified and you're jumping on your toes and you're up on the 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 kitchen stool or the chair around the kitchen table screaming oh my gosh it's a spider i'm so afraid and that's how i'm supposed to approach god it's totally frivolous because once you come to your senses and you get a little bit of mathematical calculations and you get some rational thought back flowing through your veins you realize that you have like 14 billion times the mass of that little tiny spider. And if you just go take your big toe and step it on it and put like one millionth of a percent of your body weight on that little house spider, it's going to crush and shrivel up. Have you ever noticed when you hit a spider, like they, they like tuck and roll. It's like they, they, but they're dead. It's weird. Like they're all big and their legs are out in their body and they take up like the size of a quarter, and then you just gently tap them with like a, a, a envelope or, you know, you barely brush them with a, a broom or something, and then they just instantly, and their their legs come in into a ball, and they're, they're the size of like a BB. It's weird how they die like that. Unless unless you just use excessive force. Like if you put like a, uh, one, like a, one of my tennis forehands on them, skaboom, then they just like vaporize and they're gone forever. Maybe a leg here maybe you'll just you'll pick up like you hit them with a book too hard and you look and it's just like a looks like a grease spot with maybe like a random spider leg somewhere i've had that happen too so hopefully you see through this me describing how you kill a house spider the frivolous nature of trying to compare fearing the lord with fearing a spider because we're we're 
for all intents and purposes, practically infinitely bigger than the spider. We put a millionth of a percent of our body weight on it, and it's dead. You smack it with a, a envelope, it shrivels up and is gone, dead, never to bother you again. And if you're too afraid to do that, you just call in support. Call in your husband, call in a brother, call in a sister, call in your wife. I don't know. I'm not trying to be, uh, I, I guess fear of spiders is not, uh, doesn't discriminate via sex. Um, anyone could be afraid of a spider, I suppose. And so you call, you could call in an exterminator, let them do the dirty work for you. So, so we're taking something that is incredibly small, something that is, that we can control and we're trying to extrapolate backwards from that. Oh, that's similar to fearing God. What? It's, it's, it's completely backwards. It's like the most reverse. It's just, I want to say bass backwards. I'm not sure if I can say that on a Christian podcast. It's completely flipped on its head. We're taking something incredibly small that we have total control over, and if we just rationally come to our senses, we can squish it out of existence and never have to deal with it again. And that's how we're supposed to fear the Lord. Take And then the eight-foot ladder, the same thing. The eight-foot ladder. You're up at the top, you're balancing on your toes, doing the ballerina thing. Oh no, I'm going to fall and die. Well, then just don't go up the ladder. Hire somebody to go up the ladder for you. Better yet, mature a little bit. Like, look deep inside and figure out, oh man, I'm not very manly. Like, maybe I should go back to manliness training school to learn how to get some courage and some resolve and some mental stability in order to climb up eight feet off the ground. Understand mathematically that if you fall from eight feet, you're not going to reach terminal velocity and explode like a water balloon on your hedges. Okay, you might have a scrape or two, or a little bump, or you know, bruised elbow or something. But seriously, unless you take a stinking John B. Christ swan dive off the ladder and land on the the crown of your skull. It's been nine months since I podcasted that nonsense. <laughs> and there's still threads being weave, woven, weaven, weaved, weaved, woven. What's the past tense of some of these words? They're, it's difficult. Go back to manliness class and find some resolve to not be a pansy. And it's the same thing with public speaking. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of public speaking. There's a whole slew of snake oil salesmen selling you stuff on how to gain confidence to public speak and overcome your fear. So every single one of these things, we have ways to overcome the fear to conquer that thing that we are fearing. And yet we're using this as the framework for trying to get us to understand how we fear God. And it's absolute 100% rubbish, garbage. It is frippery. It's fearful frippery. It's frivolous. It is tawdry. It's like we're saying, okay, here, here's how you fear God. Here's a quarter taped to your birthday card, go stick it in the little machine, twist the little spring-loaded thing clockwise, and let that little plastic egg pop out. And there's your fear of God. It's so cheap and debased and completely backwards. And you say, well, what do you mean? How? I don't understand. Well, just go to the Bible, for crying out loud. 
Look at some of the things, the ways in which God talks about us. And I've covered this in previous episodes. So if I sound like a broken record, oh well. God says, fear not thou worm, Jacob. Fear not thou worm, Jacob. You go, oh, God's so demeaning. He referred to his special creation as a worm. I think it's a size comparison. <laughs> in, in the pastor's Facebook Live message, we're this big, massive thing, and our fear of God is a tiny little worm or a spider. In the Bible, it's flipped. God is the big, massive thing, and we're the insignificant worm, small, tiny, insignificant. God takes the universe, and it says he measures the span. He measures it with the span of his fingers. Takes the entire universe, billions and billions of light years across, and he measures it with the span of his fingers. Are you you understanding? It says that our life is a vapor in my nice ember cup right here that is delivering a 146-degree sip of coffee whenever I want it. There is steam currently rising out of this thing, wafting up into the air. And, oh, look, it's gone. Oh, there's an oh, there's another one. Oh, nope, no, nope, now one's gone. Oh, more steam. Oh, that steam's gone. It's a perpetually new steam. Because the steam comes up, those particles evaporate into invisibility. And they're right in their path are new steam particles. And then those disappear and evaporate. It's insignificant. And that's what the Bible says our life. He says, do you not know that your life is like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow? So I I don't, to me, it just seems like, bro, open up your Bible and read. And you'll see that the size comparison, that you have the size comparison completely backwards. So then you say, okay, well then how, what does fear of the Lord mean? So we got done with the sermon and I was like, okay, that clearly doesn't encapsulate the sole response to fearing God. And I pray that it never does. And if it does for you right now, like if you're viewing fearing God, like a little a spider on the floor or an eight foot ladder or, you know, stapling Christmas lights up a la Clark W. Griswold style, which the pastor actually uses an analogy oh, I'm afraid I'm going to staple my plaid shirt into the into the gutter board and then fall. Or, or you're afraid of public speaking. Like if that's how you've approached your fear of God because the leaders of the church today have the size ratio in comparison completely 180 degrees wrong, then I hope that you'll come down this little path with me journeying into the land of trying to flip the size scale. And you go, what do you mean? So we got done with the message and I was like, okay, this does not encapsulate proper view of fearing God. It's, it's elevating us to, if I, okay, I, I don't like the spider, so I'll just stomp, stomp it out and then be done with it. So I said, we have to go do, we have to go find something that's big. Like we have to find something that's, that, actually puts some legitimate rational fear in us. So Googled it and we found a 700 foot high waterfall about an hour north of Atlanta. Hopped in the car. We drove up there. We had to hike up 600 steps to get 
you could get to the base and then if you wanted to, you could climb 600 steps to walk up to the top of the waterfall and look over. And we got to the base of this waterfall and you look up and you're like, that is impressive. It's 700 feet high and it's outside of my control. I can't just uh, hit it with an, with an envelope and be done with it because it makes me uncomfortable. And when you climb to the top, and you went on the little like ledge that overlooked the sh- the 100% guaranteed plummet to your death, okay? Not some little slip and fall land in a, in a rose bush while you're cleaning your gutters type of thing. But you get to the edge and, and it says there's warning signs everywhere. Warnings, warning, do not cross barrier. Deaths have occurred. Okay, it didn't say death possible, injury maybe. No, it said deaths have occurred, past tense, fact. Don't cross this boundary. So so they build this platform right up to the edge of the waterfall and you can look over and it's 700 feet down. Rocks at the bottom, guaranteed 100% death. That, that, you're going, wow. Okay, that's big and I can't just hit it with an envelope and be done with it. Are you, are you understanding what I'm getting at? We have to flip the size the other way. We can't make fearing God be cheap and tawdry and frivolous, which is what pastors are doing around the country today. We've got to flip the size. And I, I may have mentioned this previously um, in podcast in bygones, uh, ago, eons ago in time bygone past. I'm looking for some sort of phrase that I've read in some old English book, but it's eluding me at the moment. Um, you go to in, in bygones, in time begone, who, uh, who knows? You pick up your own old English books and read your own old English books so you can have those phrases at the ready. Why am I always the one trying to restore old English to the modern vernacular? I can't carry this pressure anymore, people. It's too much for me. I lay it down today. I cast this burden off. I lay it down. At your feet, take up your cross and carry it. I'm tired of doing all the heavy lifting myself. (laughs) So I think I've mentioned in the past, you go to the Grand Canyon and you look, you go to the, and they don't even have barrier fences there. It's like, they might tell you when you like pay for the parking fee, they're like, hey, yo, if you fall, it's your own fault. Like, don't be a moron. But every single year, some some doofus gets too close trying to take a selfie slip. Uh, uh, okay, but you 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 survey with your own eyes the vastness of that Grand Canyon. You feel insignificant. The canyon feels significant, and something approaching the realm of awe naturally arises in your heart. Same thing if you've ever seen a massive lightning storm or sat through hurricane force winds in Florida. There's something about the uncontrollability of big, large, powerful things that naturally creates in us awe and wonder, which is getting near what it means to fear the Lord. Now, you could probably... You could probably experience those things and be terrified, which is understandable. You can experience those big, crazy things 
and feel something of awe, which is understandable. You could experience those things and feel both, which is both understandable. And that's probably somewhere near what it means to fear God. Well, we shouldn't be afraid of God. Really? What did Jesus say? He said, don't fear man who has the ability to kill your body, but fear God who has the ability to take both your body and your soul. The disciples on the boat, <clears throat> they were afraid. The, the sea is raging. They're afraid. Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And what does it say? And it says that they were greatly distressed. They were fearful of yeah, they were fearful of the waves, but they were even more fearful of, the, of God, Jesus, walking on the waves. So we, uh, th- that's the point of this podcast. We, ha- we have to take the fearful frippery that is being promoted in the church today, and we've got to flip it. We've got to turn it around. We've got to make God big. We've got to make ourselves small. And we can't reduce eternal, spiritual, holy omnipotent, omniscient, unchanging, immutable, same word, unchanging, immutable, same thing. Um, redundancy is also part of the Chief End podcast. Not only is loose end sewing, but redundancy as well. Uh, we, can't, we can't take all of those big things and try to reduce them into a quarter-sized trinket that we can manage and discard when we don't want it anymore and overcome because we don't like the fact that it makes us uncomfortable. Like we should never set out, our, our aim as Christians should never be to overcome and conquer God. And yet that's what we're doing by reducing all of the grandness of God's truth down to these bite-sized morsels that we can, oh yeah, it's, it's like a, oh yeah, I just popped a couple M&Ms, peanut, peanut M&Ms, I popped them, good. Got my sustenance for the day. It's offensive. It's wrong. It's soul sapping. Um, and, and, and I just want to say it's offensive. Like it's, it's offensive. Not to me. It's offensive to God. Like, like even it, and it's a disservice. It's not even a proper, proper thing. Like I took a, a picture of the 700 foot waterfall and I sent it to my, my in-laws and I said, Hey, we got to check this out next time you're up here. And then I look at the picture. And I'm like, dude, that looks so lame. Like, there's no way that's 700 feet tall. It looks t- stupid. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it again. I'm going to take a video. So I started with the camera facing, angling down at the pond, not the pond, wherever the waterfall was splashing at the bottom, the base. And then I slowly panned it up. And I was like, okay, this pan panning action is going to show the 700 feet in all its glory. So I do that. Ooh, it takes, you know, eight seconds or so to pan up and look at the, the 700 feet. And I'm like, that's got to capture it better. So I send that one off and then I replay it. I'm like, dude, even that looks cheesy. It looks like it's a 10 foot stinking, you know, built in my backyard. What is that my new latest landscaping project in my front yard? Did I, did I buy a little $300, stone waterfall from Home Depot and set it in my front yard and lie down on my stomach to take some stupid Instagram video of my new yard ornament. So when we do these things, we're, we're taking, we're going the wrong way. We're trying to take these grand massive things. We're trying to reduce them to little trinkets that we can keep in a little plastic egg, put in our back pocket, play with in the car, and then forget about and go, eh, well, it wasn't that big of a thing anyway. And is it any wonder why the church is so indifferent and cold in America today? 
God has become a 25 cent plastic egg with a little trinket ring inside or a little slimy slappy hand. And, and eventually that slimy slappy hand, I don't know if you ever played with those, but after you play with them for about eight minutes, it picks up all the dust in the surrounding area and it has no slimy slappy hand left. It just is like some dry, gritty, it feels like you're, you know, it's like some 90-year-old grandpa hand. There's no moisture on it. There's no stick left and you go to sling it and it just kind of like bounces off everything. It turns into like some bouncy, semi-deflated bouncy basketball hand and then you just go okay well this thing's dumb it picked up all the lint in my house picked up every last dust particle and cat hair it's no longer fun because it's not sticking to anything so you either throw it away um, or you try to wash it off with soap and water and it doesn't fix it and then you forget about it or, 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 or your sister gets that ring she's like oh this is so cool look how cool this ring is it cost a tenth of a penny um, and then after three minutes, the silver lead-based paint chips off and you see clear plastic underneath and the little fake stone pops out, fall, falls on the floorboard somewhere. No, I lost my precious ruby. And then you go, oh, that's, that's stupid. That was dumb. And you throw it away. You forget about it. That's how we're treating the fear of God. We're making it small. We're making it cheap. We're making it tawdry. And either we're overcoming it, like squishing the spider with an envelope, or we're avoiding it, like hiring someone to put up the Christmas lights, hiring someone to clean the gutters, or we're paying to master it, like hiring a personal coach or some confidence person to help us overcome our fear of public speaking. And, and the last time I read my Bible, um, which was this morning, I don't see that message being promoted by the Lord God Almighty for how we are to deal with him. He's not saying, here I am, I'm infinite. Just chip off a little trinket and do with it what you will. So I hope that encourages you um, to flip your perspective on that and to ponder the grandness. So, and, and we have instances that you can do practice this throughout the week. Next time a big thunderstorm pops up, turn off your TV, put your stupid phone down, go sit by the window, maybe not too close in case a lightning blast hits you. Um, but just observe the, the, the magnificence of the lightning and the thunder. And, and maybe pull out Job 38 and 39 and 40 and read through it while that thunderstorm is happening. Um, maybe tonight you can turn off your TV, your phone, and you can sit there and stare at your kids for five minutes. And meditate through the Psalms where it says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You have knitted me together in my mother's womb. You knew me before I was formed. And marvel that your kid was, if you're, if you're a mom, your kid was knit together in your womb. And if you're a dad, your kid was knit together in your spouse's womb. Like that should blow you away. That should cause something near this thing of awe because your kid's not some cheap trinket that you're going to drop a quarter in, out pops a kid. Oh, great, I'm going to play with him until I get bored with him and then just chuck him. No, your kids are amazing. Take a vacation. Go, go see a big tree. I mean, there's so many ways you can do this. Go to the zoo. Oh, no, he's not an animal rights guy. Go to the zoo and marvel at an elephant. 
Go stand next to the giraffe thing and look how freaking tall they are with their nine-foot tongues that could, you know, eat large... Ah, my, my mind's not firing this morning. I can't think of the words that I want. They're on the tip of my tongue, but I can't fire them. Got, got a little rust to dust off on this year's podcast. The pithiness... <laughs> the pithiness is uh, not coming as fast as I'd like it to. You get the idea. You get the idea. Stop trying to package God into something that you control, you manage, you can overcome, and you can discard of. Let God exist in his full glory, splendor, and awe. And if you do that, you're going to be a heck of a lot closer to fearing the Lord and having awe towards the Lord than you would be from sitting through a 42-minute long Facebook live streaming that just emphasized the frippery of how we're fearing God in today's church. Uh, 40, oh, 44 minutes and 57 seconds, 58, 59, 45, see ya.